Welcome to the Together for Good podcast, a podcast specifically designed to inspire, challenge, and uplift you during your daily walk of faith. Friends, today we continue our Epiphany journey of aha moments. And this time we have a very special guest. And by that, I mean, we don't. (laughs) It's it's me. Um, My guest fell through. So I'm going to be sharing with you a faith aha. This is one I haven't shared before. And um, I go in a lot of different directions because I'm not only going to tell you about this aha moment and when it happened, but then how I've been kind of living it out, how I enact this learning in my life. Uh, So it covers a lot of ground. I I read from a bunch of different books. I hope you find it interesting. I hope you find it coherent. (laughs) I find it a lot easier for me to interview people and move the narrative along. And so uh, I think I did an okay job of making this all make sense, but always happy to have follow-up conversations if you're interested or curious about anything that I mention. Um, As always, thank you for listening to the podcast for your support. Please uh, share these episodes with family and friends. We just love when more people are discovering this podcast and enriching their life and walk of faith through these episodes. Uh, But now a faith aha from me. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Okay, let's get started. Thanks for hopping on and listening to this podcast. Um, I was supposed to have an interview, another one of these Faith Aha interviews, uh, but something fell through on that end. And so you're going to get left with a Faith Aha from me. And (laughs) this is going to cover a lot of ground. Um, It might have been helpful for me to get interviewed by someone else just to keep me on track. Uh, But I'm going to do my best here with all of this. So This all goes back to my seminary days. I was taking a class in seminary on spiritual practices, and it was really um, a class I was very excited about, and that was definitely very interesting as we were all sort of trained and exposed to a number of different ways that people have connected with God over the course of history. But in the course of that class, I was expecting that we'd learn a lot about prayer and a lot about studying scripture and a lot about Um, you know, working with a spiritual director, things like that. And and certainly all those came up. But there was one section of the course where we talked about personality tests. In particular, one of the personality tests that we focused on is the Enneagram. Um, I've talked about that on the podcast before. There's a number of episodes. I led a growth group here at Bethany about uh, the Enneagram as well. And would always love to tell you more about that particular personality test. Um, I believe that my teacher in seminary chose it because it does have some Christian roots to it. And also just because it has a very deeply spiritual approach uh, when you dig into the theory behind it. Uh, There's a lot of personality tests out there, uh, certainly on BuzzFeed. You can go to that website and find out um, which Harry Potter character you are or which character from The Lord of the Rings you're most like. That's not quite the personality tests uh, that we were talking about in uh, my seminary class. But in the seminary class, this is the aha moment. Something I'll never forget is the professor... When introducing this particular section of the course, she said to us, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, we hear this really important phrase where God says, let us make humankind in our image. And so God created them in the image of God. And this has spawned over the years a number of theological writings and insights. There's actually a Latin term, imagio Dei, image of God. 
And it invites us to think about the importance and the significance of saying that we are created in the image of God. And not only recognizing that in one another, but recognizing that within ourselves too. That there is an element of the holy and the divine that lives within each of us. And so my seminary professor is talking about the Imago Dei. And then she says, and so if we are made in the image of God, then any time that we spend trying to get to know ourself better is inherently spiritual work. As we get to know ourselves better and who we really are, we in turn get to know a little bit more about who God really is too. This was very much so an aha moment for me. It really it blew my mind when she said it, when she put it together like that. What an incredible invitation and what an incredible um, yeah, opportunity. I have always been fascinated and loved doing personal work. Ever since I was a young kid, I, I'm the type of person who would watch like the infomercials sometime on Saturday mornings for like the, 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 the different motivational speakers. And I would be so compelled by what they were saying. Um, but even, and that like moved on. I've read more self-help books than I would ever care to admit. Uh, but I've just loved this idea of, of constantly improving myself, uh, of constantly getting to know more about myself. And, and this, um, this seminary class, this aha moment, really invited me to kind of shift that and to recognize when I do really deep work, when I do really vulnerable and create courageous work with myself of trying to get to know who I am, what makes me tick, what's the real me, that inherently is spiritual work. That inherently connects me with God in real significant ways. I have a quote for you. This is from a German Jesuit uh, theologian, Karl Ronher. He, he lived a generation ago or so. And, and he said, I, I'm going to read this, trans, this, this quote for you, and then I'll give you a little more e expression of it. He says, the infinite mystery that you are to yourself and the infinite mystery that God is in God's self proceed forward together as one. Okay, now, Karl Ronher originally wrote this in German, and so it's, it's a super messy translation. <laughs> um, but uh, here's, here's more of a simple English version of this. As you uncover God's loving truth, you uncover your own. And as you uncover your own truth, you fall deeper into God's mercy and love. So this has certainly been true for me, especially following that seminary course of recognizing all this work that I've wanted to do about getting to know myself better and improve myself. It actually opens me up to, to want to connect with God more. Something about connecting with myself in deep, meaningful ways, being honest with myself in deep, meaningful ways, opens me up to then want to better connect with the one who created me. And so here's a, a lot of ways that I've been trying to do this on a personal level of doing this inner work. Because um, what happens to us in, in our life is so often we just go on autopilot. And, and there's so many societal pressures, so many different voices out there telling us who we're supposed to be. And we can really easy, easily put on a mask and start to play a part and start to play a role rather than being who God created us to be. 
And it's really hard to sift through all that, especially the longer you live, I feel like the more layers get heaped onto you. You know, the more voices you have in your head about what a good person is supposed to be and looks like or what you're supposed to do, you know, what's expected of you. And certainly there's always, you know, room for that within the world. There's societal expectations and, you know, it's really good that I wore pants to work today. (laughs) But in the same sense, too, I think we can also start to see how we get pulled off track where we start to worry so much about what other people are going to think of us that we deny our own inherent truths. You know, maybe we don't speak up when someone makes a derogatory comment because we want them to still be our friend. We want them to still like us. And so we deny ourselves that opportunity to speak our truth and to say like, hey, that offends me. It's just one example of how this mask wearing can play out. And so for me, some of the ways that I've been working to take my mask off and really trying to understand myself better, which in turn connects me with God in a deeper way, is simply by slowing down. I tend to move really fast. You've probably noticed that I'm a fast East Coast talker as well. I like to do things quickly. I'm maybe a little over-caffeinated at times. Um, But I'm at least noticing these tendencies. And for me, just slowing down, breathing a little more deeply, um, all of that helps me to then be more intentional about the ways that I act. And to really pay attention of, okay, let's just not knee-jerk reaction to this and go on autopilot. What do you actually want, Nate, in this moment? What do you actually need? What is your true self trying to tell you here? So simply slowing down and trying to just move slowly, honestly, um, has been very, very valuable for me to be a little more truer and connected with who God created me to be. Additionally, within that, um, as some of you probably know, I was um, I went through the training to become a certified yoga teacher. And so I teach yoga at noon on Wednesdays at Bethany each and every week. And I also, within that, have a really deep practice myself of yoga. And, and what, what I love about yoga is, yes, it, it in, invites you to slow down, but it also inherently um, causes you to be very present within your body. And, and to really notice these things. That's so much of the, the wisdom and philosophy of yoga is like as you put yourself in these absurd poses <laughs> that stretch, you know, different muscles within your body, it's amazing what can come up and what you start to notice, what your body has been holding on to in, you know, your hamstrings and your calves and your hips and your shoulders, that, that as you put yourself in these positions, it creates some sort of triggers within your brain as well that you start to notice. And in turn, as a whole, it's taught me how to be a little more present in my body as I move throughout my day. Again, helping me to slow down, just helping me to be aware of all that's going on within me, which in turn connects me deeper with God. So in addition to these pieces, I've also just done a lot of reading. And as I mentioned in the beginning, my seminary professor was talking about uh, the Enneagram as a personality test for getting to know ourselves better. Um, Long before that seminary class, I was studying and learning a little bit about the Enneagram, and I've continued. Uh, It is a fascinating, um, a fascinating little um, system that creates, that has so much wisdom to it 
because what it's really designed to do is to try and help us uh, understand our patterns. So, so much of the Enneagram is based on this idea that early on in our life, we develop coping mechanisms, just ways to deal with stress. And there's, you know, different people learn to deal with stress differently, but then that becomes a set pattern within our life that we live from. And, and so what the Enneagram can help you do is as you hone in on which number you are in this system, it then helps you point out what your coping mechanisms are and what are the things that motivate your actions. And so just by knowing this, again, brings greater awareness for myself about my autopilot. What, what do I do when I'm not thinking? Well, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And so that means I care a lot about trying to impress other people. And so I just start to notice that of like, wow, when am I, you know, putting myself in a position where I'm trying to make myself look better by maybe telling little white lies? Or when am I trying to make myself look better by working way too hard and too much to just get more accomplishments done on my to-do list? All of these are patterns that I've lived into over the course of my life. And now by recognizing those, I can pull back a little bit and say, you know what? This is not who I am deep down inside, that there's a truer element to who I am that doesn't need to seek after affirmation, um, that doesn't need to constantly be working and accomplishing. And so by fighting against my tried and true patterns, I can come to a more stable, steady place, a deeper understanding of who I really am, who God's created me to be. In addition to reading those types of books, I also do a ton of reading um, just in terms of spiritual writings. And spiritual writings always do such a good job, uh, the best spiritual writings, of helping us understand who we are and, and who God is, just these, this character. And so there's a great little book called Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen. And this is a real spiritual classic. And it is all about how we are created as God's beloved. I'll just read you a quote from this book. It says, Becoming the Beloved means letting the truth of our belovedness become enfleshed in everything we think, say, or do. It entails a long and painful process of appropriation or better incarnation. As long as being the beloved is little more than a beautiful thought or lofty idea that hangs above my life to keep me from becoming depressed and nothing really changes. What is required is to become the beloved in the commonplaces of my daily existence and bit by bit to close the gap that exists between what I know myself to be and the countless specific realities of everyday life. So that really beautiful book, you know, we hear these words all the time. You're God's beloved. God loves you no matter what. God never tires of forgiving you of your sin. All those sound really nice. But what I love about that quote is that there's really needs to be this also work of living it out and putting it into action. And so uh, it, it, I, I write that with you to say like all of this reading that you can do about who you really are and how that connects you with God in the same sense too, there has to be some action put on it, living from this space of knowing that you're beloved. And a lot of these pieces that I've described before um, in this podcast about yoga, uh, about slowing down, those are some of the ways that I am trying to just embody these truths recognizing that I don't need to rush about and accomplish more, recognizing that I can just be still and present and aware and that God loves me as this particular version of myself. Um, one final practice that helps me put this all in motion is, of course, prayer. 
and simply using prayer life as an opportunity as well, an ongoing conversation with God about like, who, who am I truly, God? Help me see who you've created me to be. That's a pretty common prayer that I say probably a couple times every day. Um, and it's, it's really interesting how the act of prayer allows us to let go of any sort of um, tension or worries or anxieties that we might have and how it also kind of recenters our thoughts moving forward. And so I can say that prayer, you know, trying to let go of any sort of inadequacies I might be feeling at that moment or, or tendencies I feel like I need to accomplish more. I need to do something else. I need to play this role for someone. No, I can give that over to God through prayer. And then in the same sense, by saying, God, who do you want me to truly be? That tunes my awareness in that moment to, to asking myself that question and, and to considering how I can show up right now as the person God has created me to be. Additionally, there's um, another form of prayer that I've talked about before. Uh, centering prayer is an ancient um, Christian practice of simply sitting in the presence of God. I think that's the simplest way to describe it. Every morning, I wake up nice and early before anyone else is awake, and I take 20 minutes right at the start of my day to sit with my eyes closed in the presence of God and to simply observe my breath, to simply try and let go fully and completely and turn everything over to God. And it's amazing how that practice, yeah, literally centers me for my day, um, but also has this great stripping away effect. In that moment, I'm I'm nothing else, and I am just... God's beloved, sitting in the presence of God and appreciating that that sense of love, honestly, that that rises up. This is another um, quote from a book. This is um, by Cynthia Bourgeau. I believe I said that right. Um, Bourgeault. And uh, it's called Centering Prayer and Inner Awakening is her book. And she has this great little, little quote um, kind of describing the process of centering prayer. She says, if you find yourself tangled up with a thought, no matter what kind of thought, you simply and gently let that thought go. You release it, thus bringing yourself back into alignment with your original intention, which was to maintain that bare, formless openness to God. And so that's what centering prayer really is, is it's a practice of maintaining a bare, formless openness to God. And frankly, as we work on ourselves, trying to discover who we really are inside, that requires a bare, formless openness as well. As I said, we're constantly putting on masks or trying to play parts and roles within the world. And yet what we're invited to do is to strip that away to try and discover our true selves and live from that space. So by taking time every morning for Centering Prayer, hopefully I'm better able to allow myself to show up as who God created me to be and to be comfortable with that, to recognize that I've got some weird idiosyncrasies, to also be gracious to myself and recognize that sometimes um, I go off course and try to play a part or a role, but consistently coming back to I'm God's beloved, uh, God is present with me now and always and living from that space. And so this is all, you know, all of these little things are just some of my practices um, for how I'm better getting to know myself, which is an ongoing lifelong task. Who has God created me to be? Well, through yoga, through centering prayer, through slowing down and bringing awareness, through study of the Enneagram and reading of other spiritual um, classics and books, all of this is, is trying to and, and helping me 
uh, yeah, hone in on this. And it's amazing how as I come to know myself better, as we heard in that first quote from Carl Rahner, as I come to know myself better, that inherently pulls me into a greater longing to know God better too. Because the two are intertwined. We're created in the image of God. And so as we come to know ourselves better, we come to know God better. As we do the work of trying to know ourselves better, it inherently draws us into wanting to know God better as well. It's a really incredible system. It's kind of the basis of the entire spiritual life, our journey as Christians. And and as I said, it's an ongoing task. But I'll close uh, this epiphany aha with this scripture passage. This is a paraphrase uh, of a Uh, There's a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message by Eugene Peterson, where he poetically rewrote all of scripture. Um, He's a really great biblical language scholar. So he looked at the original languages and then rewrote all of scripture. And so sometimes he does, he rewrites these um, passages and they're just beautiful and maybe quite different than what you might normally find in the Bible. So take it with a grain of salt. (laughs) But in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, in the Message translation, we read, And don't be wishing you were someplace else or with someone else. Where you are right now is God's place for you. Live and love and believe in that moment. What a beautiful way to summarize all of this. We're all um, often guilty of wishing we were someplace else, wishing we were someone else, trying to play a part, trying to put on a mask. But our call is to live and love and believe in this moment knowing that God is here with us, knowing that we are created in the image of God and that as we better get to know who we are, we are drawn into deeper relationship with God as well. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everyone. I hope this was helpful, interesting, coherent. As always, stay in peace.